0: Good morning everybody It's great to be here with all of you this morning I, I woke up and I leaned over to my wife And I go, what do I wear today? Yeah, because I don't know how to dress myself anymore. I'm at that stage of my life. I don't know what looks good. I don't know what's hip. I don't know what's cool. So I got to have other people. So if you like to volunteer and you are a fashion person, if you have the spiritual gift of fashion, I'm looking for a fashion team to help dress me in the morning to, so I don't kind of walk out looking like my father. <laughs> no offense, Dad, if you're watching. Okay. But uh, it's great to be here with all of you this morning. Uh, this Sunday, we are excited to have Compassion Camp. Canada uh, here with us today. We're gonna hear more about that later on in the service. If you went through the cafe, you will have seen the setup that is there. Um, compassion is something that is really near and dear to my heart personally and to so many people here in our church. You're gonna hear more about that. But there's a lunch after the service today. So if you didn't sign up for it, just stick around anyways. Come to the you know, grab a sandwich. And we actually have these virtual headsets so that you can go on a compassion trip without having to Having to get into an airplane and having to go to a country that's really you know hot, and so you can kind of see and get an experience of what the compassion centers are like. So I encourage you to stick around after the service for that. So this morning, I actually want to just jump right into today's text, uh, where like Paul said, we've been going through the book of Romans, and for us as a church, we firmly believe what you believe about God will change how you live your life. How you live your life is a direct reflection of what you believe about God. If you don't believe God exists, you're going to live your life a certain way. If you believe God exists, but he's distant and really doesn't care about us, you're going to live your life a certain way. If you believe that all the gods, whether it's Jesus or whoever, they're all exactly the same and it doesn't matter, you're going to live your life a certain way. If you believe that God is angry and vengeful and has a list to make your life miserable and just wants you to be depressed and cranky all the time, you're going to live your life a certain way. How you view God changes how you live your life. And that's what the book of Romans that the apostle Paul writes to the church in the city of Rome. And Rome is the most advanced city That the human race has ever seen up to that point. It's the first city to ever reach a million people. Government, military, aqueducts, services, the way to logistics, to bring in food and to care for everybody. The most advanced city in the world up to that point. And Paul writes to this brand new thing called the Christian church. To say what you think about God. What you know about God, what we've taught you about God has to change how you live in this city. And that's why he spends 11 chapters building up all of this theology. And then the last few chapters going, now look at your life. So let's look at our lives a little bit. I'm going to read a couple of verses here. I'm going to start. We're in Romans chapter 13. If you have a Bible, encourage you to follow along with it. If you do not own a paper Bible, I'd love to give you one today as a gift. There's a whole bunch of them in the back of the room. You can take it as a gift when you leave today if your family doesn't own a Bible. If you're watching us online and you don't own a Bible, email me, Kevin at Greenbelt.Church, and I will send you a Bible. Okay. Let's start here. Romans 13, verse 1. Let everyone be subject to governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God established. Oh, no, that's about government. Okay, I don't want to talk about that. Okay, let me skip to uh, verse 6. Okay, this is also why you pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give to everyone what you owe them. Oh, wait a minute. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. This is pretty appropriate. This is tax season now here in Canada. Um, But I actually don't want to talk about this. (laughs) Here's the thing. I want you for homework to go home, and I want you to read Romans chapter 13, verses 1 to 8. And then I want you to take out a piece of paper and write out how you talk and view government. There's your challenge, okay? Actually, the reason I'm skipping this today is not because I'm afraid of the text. Uh, it's because we're actually going to spend three weeks this summer doing a sermon series on Christianity and the government. <laughs> I've been living in Ottawa for 13 years now. I figured now's the time to get risk getting fired. <laughs> i've I've paid my dues i think i've lived here long enough to see how we treat government as christians and the sad reality is is we build some bad theology to justify our bad behaviors and we have to actually look at what the bible says so you might want to go on vacation for those three sundays but we have to talk about these things because it matters how Christians are living their lives in this city, in this nation, in this day and age, matters. So let's talk about this. And this government, I mean, I made a little bit of a joke about it, but it does still fit into what I want to talk about today. Because I'm talking about living a life of love. Let's continue here in Romans chapter 13, and I'm going to read through from verses 8 to 14. Again, after Paul talks about government, about taxes, about paying what you're due, paying revenues, paying respect, paying honor, he says these words in verse 8. He says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be. I love how Paul says this, and yeah, and all the other ones. <laughs> They're all summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And then Paul continues, he says, and do this, do what? This commandment of love, understanding the present time, use your head, look around. What does this culture and society look like? Right. And he says, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. Now let's put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh so again Paul speaking to the most civilized the most advanced city in the world at this time talks about government and the submission to a government that hates you oh we're going to have so much fun this summer submitting to a government that hates you but Pastor Kevin oh, we'll come back in the summer right talking about this life of love. And again, he just spent 11 chapters going through who God is, right? That God is not some distant God who doesn't care. That God is just one of many options. Jesus is just one of many options that all the Roman worship services have available for you. Just pick the one that works for you and be sincere with it. That this is, he just went through whether or not that this was for just only for Jewish people or was everyone included in God's plan. Is this just for men or is women included in this? He builds up so much about who God is. And it constantly in the first 11 chapters of Romans, he says, guess what? This salvation that God is bringing to the world, this sin that you have that has to be dealt with, you can't deal with it. There's no religion that any human being that could ever create that will pay the price for our sin. But God is so loving and so merciful and so just that he pays it for us. That he gives this incredible fascinating, mind-blowing gift of love and of mercy and of grace. And it's for everyone who would just accept the gift. That's all we do. And it's fascinating how God even works in that because God begins the prompting for us to accept it. Because in our sin, we'd just rather go our own way. And so he spends 11 chapters talking about this amazing, incredible love, this amazing, powerful God. And then he calls us as the church to do something here. So in Romans chapter 13, I summarize Romans chapter 13 with this big idea that I want us to unpack together today. To wake up, to get dressed and pay your debt. Wake up get dressed, (laughs) pay your debt. Okay. That sounded a little harsher coming out that way. I didn't mean it to sound so harsh, but, but let's unpack this. This is the big idea, right? This is how, this is where I think Romans 13, again, goes through so much rich theology, but then it just starts becoming very, very, very practical. Cause isn't that what we kind of look for in our Christian journey right now? Like, how do we deal with this culture that we live in? How do we deal with kind of government stuff that we see in the news? How do we deal with gender stuff that we see in the news? How do we deal with stuff that we're dealing with in our families and our colleagues? How do we deal with our health? How do we deal with our finances? All of these things that we get bombarded with. Like so often I get people who come up and they, they come and talk to me or they book an appointment with me. It's like, Pastor Kevin, just tell me what to do. And I'll do it. And I look at them going, well, I was kind of hoping you were going to tell me what to do. (laughs) Because sometimes life is just a mess. (laughs) I was actually joking with a number of Christian leaders recently. And, you know, and I I poke fun at this, but it's kind of sad. You know, that we as kind of Baptist, Baptist churches are still arguing on what to do with divorce and remarriage. And we've been arguing about this since the 70s. (laughs) so what are we doing with a dude who comes in who says he's a woman or a woman who says he's a man? Like, seriously, we're still trying to, am I allowed to do this wedding of someone who was divorced? And we've been arguing for 50 years on that one. And in the last three years, whoa, boy, culture has changed on us. And we're sitting here going, ah, 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 ah. (laughs) This is why your theology matters. This is why your theology matters, because it changes how you live and how you respond. And the call to the most advanced civilized city at this time in Rome was to wake up, get dressed, and pay your debt. Now, let me explain those three things for you this morning. The first call for the Christian church is to wake up. Down here in uh, verse 11 and 12. Right, he says this, like, you know, these words. Says it, that goes and do this, like this love that we're going to talk about in a moment. Understanding the present time. This is why one of our core values as a church is to be relevant. We are the church of 2023. We are not the church of 1972. Because the culture has so radically changed between 1972 and 2023. If we're still doing ministry like it's 1972, guess how many people we are reaching for Jesus? Zero. Zero. Why? Because they don't live in 1972. I remember 1976. I was five years old. Okay, as a five-year-old, now of the kids that are in the room don't listen to this, okay, but as a five-year-old, my dad, who was a chain smoker, would write me a note, and I would go to the corner store with $2 and buy my dad's smokes, okay? Because good old days, like you could just go, if you're giving a five-year-old like a big pack of smokes, here you go, kid, knock yourself, this guy doesn't know what I'm doing with them, whole other different world, right? Yeah, go try that today. (laughs) Give a note to your five-year-old and send them to the store alone. How many of you do that with your five-year-olds that you send them to the store alone? Right, you know, you're going to get a call from social services nowadays if you're sending your kid to the store alone. This is a radically different world that we live in today, right? Now, the gospel has never changed. Jesus has never changed. The message of salvation has never changed. But we need to wake up. We have to understand the present time that we live in. And then Paul unpacks this a little bit more and talks about the hour. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber. Wake, and and Paul actually says this theme several times about waking up. He talks about this in Ephesians. He talks about this in 1 Thessalonians. He talks about this here in Romans. And it's this idea that that. Now is not the time for the church to be asleep. Back in those days was not the time for us to just huddle and sing some songs and have a potluck and then just move on with life. Wake up. And what Paul talks about here, when he talks about the time, this is very similar language that we read about in in the Gospels when Jesus talks about his hour, right? That that his death and resurrection is about to come. He's about to prove to the world his divinity through his resurrection. And Paul refers to the time. This time is coming when Jesus is going to return. Now, I'm not the type of guy who who spends a lot of time on the Internet and kind of calculates, you know, that Jesus is coming back on March 4th. Like, that's not how I do this. But I believe he's coming. And today, we're closer today than we were yesterday. And we're closer today for Jesus returning than when I first put my faith in Jesus 20 years ago. And we don't know when it is. But it's coming. And we need to wake up. Right? Because God has this plan for the church. And the plan for the church is not just simply to attend something for me to consume. I liked the music. I didn't like the music. The music was a little too loud, and the music was too quiet. The sermon was too short. The sermon was too long. All of these things where we're so me-focused in our culture. We live in a me-focused culture, so it's no surprise we bring the me-focused culture into the church, which is a bad theology. But there's this desire this call, this urgency for Paul telling the church we need to wake up. That there are people out there who we love, who are separated from God. That they don't know the Lord. Right? And and again, and what you view about God, and this is where I challenged us in this sermon series, what we view about God, what you view about how do you get to God, how do you get to heaven. If you think every religion is the same and it doesn't matter what you believe, then there's no urgency. Right? If you believe that every single human being is going to heaven, there's no urgency. If you don't believe hell is real, there's no urgency. right? And we can go through a big long sermon series on what hell is and what separation from God is. But at the end of the day, separation from God, if you think that if God Even in our messy world and broken world that we're in, we still have incredible opportunities to experience love and peace and joy and mercy and forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And those are the characters and the attributes of God. Imagine a world where all of that is gone. Mm -hmm. No love at all. No mercy at all. No justice at all. No peace at all. Whatever that image looks like for you right now, there's a slice of hell, of the complete removal from God, right? And Paul is telling urgently the church, all these things that I've taught you about God, is this driving your love? Is it driving your love? Right, so you need to wake up, you gotta look at the world that we're living in. you gotta look at the times you gotta look at who God is and who Jesus is, and now is not the time for the church to be asleep like It's fascinating in how it works in this messy world like we we were so afraid of government and church and overlap and all of these things, but people are seeing more and more and more the necessity for grace and for love and for compassion and for care. (laughs) Like we've got a great program here with our ESL program, our English second language, where we help welcome people who are new to Canada. And we do this in partnership with the city. The city is asking us to do this in more places. The city politicians are asking the church for help. Okay? And I have to say, I can't. Why? Because everyone's asleep. You're watching Netflix. Okay? And this is not a guilt trip. Yeah, it is. Okay? But this is the urgency of Paul. Now's not the time to watch 27 episodes of Everybody Loves Raymond. It's not the time. It's not the time to binge watch a show after show after show every single night while your Bible is collecting dust. It's not the time. We need to wake up. Look at the days that we're living in. Right? And then it continues. So, again, so what do we do? Okay, so, okay, we're awake. We've opened up our eyes. Oh, my goodness. Like, the days are so crazy. And God's love is so amazing. What do I need to do? Well, you need to get dressed. You need to get dressed. And the way Paul describes this is in verse fourteen, where he says, "You know, uh, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ." And this is again a picture that Paul uses in so many of his writings, where he says to put on Christ, clothe yourself in Christ, put on the armor of God. Right? What Paul is calling us to as the church is discipleship, <laughs> is to realize. How we're cleansed, that by the blood of Jesus, that He cleans us, that He takes away all of our sin, and we got to be bathed in Jesus. Because if you try to go out into this messy world and into this messy culture trying to do it all in your own strength, you're going to get the snot kicked out of you, quite literally. One of my favorite stories in the Gospels is when the disciples went out and tried to cast out demons. (laughs) <laughs> and the demon kind of responds to them, well, Jesus, we know, but we don't know who you are, and the demon's just like mopped the floor with them, mm-hmm. yeah. right? And you can take that story and go, hey, and there's a reason why I should just stay home and watch Netflix. <laughs> well, no, because they weren't closed. They weren't doing exactly how Jesus called them to do it. They, we don't have the details of what went wrong there, but something went wrong, <laughs> What Paul tells us, those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, who have received the power of the Holy Spirit to constantly be putting on Christ, what does that look like? It means we repent a lot. It means we ask for forgiveness a lot. It means we offer forgiveness a lot. It means we walk in humility a lot. Like even the song that we just sang about the cross, Where Jesus is standing accused by sinful men and he doesn't say a word to justify himself and he takes it. I think in a lot of parts of my life, I've got to learn better to just take it and stop feeling the need to defend and avenge. (laughs) that I don't deserve to be spoken this way, I deserve respect, I deserve dignity, I deserve, I deserve, I deserve. What Romans chapter 1 through 11 taught me was I actually deserve separation from God for all eternity, is what I deserve because of my sin, but I'm not getting that. So we have to learn to clothe ourselves. And we saw in this series, and you can go back and look at it here in Romans, where he talks about this idea that there's two ways to live. There's living clothed in Christ, and then there's the way of the world. And the way of the world is all about, right now, it's just all about pride and offense. Everyone's offended about everything, and everyone's proud and boastful about everything. And that's not the posture of the church. When you put on Jesus, you put on a posture of love and compassion and mercy and peace and long-suffering. (laughs) Long-suffering. We like to ignore that fruit of the Spirit. Okay, We need to get dressed. We need to take our walks with Jesus seriously. Because the world needs you. Your family needs you. This city needs you. The world needs you to live out this call of love. And what is this call of love? This is the third part here. It's pay your debt. Wake up, get dressed, pay your debt. And what do I mean by pay your debt? Does that sound like, am I being religious and saying you've got to keep all of these rules and these commandments or God will be displeased? No, it's not what I'm saying. Look here in verse 8. Again, right after he talks about government and submitting to government and paying your taxes and giving honor to government, he says this. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. A continuing debt to love one another. I, kind of, I heard it recently put like this. When we come to Jesus to deal with our sin, it's like we have this huge debt that we cannot pay. In fact, it's so huge, we can't even afford the minimal monthly payment on it. And yet Jesus in his love and his compassion and his mercy takes the debt and he throws it away. The most, that is the most loving thing that has ever happened in your life. And I can say that unapologetically and with truth. Nothing in your life has ever been more loving than that fact that your sin is completely, totally forgiven. And because you, me, all of us who have put our faith in Jesus have received the most incredible love gift ever possible, it makes you want to pay it back. And we don't pay it back out of guilt and shame or condemnation or because God's going to hate me if I don't. We do it as an overflow of the love that we have received. And out of the love that you have received, you love. How do we do all of these things the Bible teaches us about marriage? It's love. How do we do all of these things that talk about living as the church and the one another statements? It's love. <laughs> How do we do compassion and benevolence to a hurting community? It's love. How do we, how do we do missions? How do we do things like compassion, Canada? It's love. And we actually view love as like, Oh my goodness. Even though that debt, I don't have to pay it and I don't need to make the minimal payments anymore because it's gone. It's like, I still want to pay. I still want to contribute something to that ledger. And so instead of to get into heaven or to earn God's love, I'm still putting deposits into that account. (laughs) I'm still putting in whatever I can, a friendly act, a nice gesture, donating to a charity, volunteering somewhere, talking to my neighbor, helping out a little old lady, shovel her driveway, whatever it is. (laughs) And Paul urges the church, man, to never, ever, ever, ever get tired of continuing to love you see this is why we need to wake up get dressed and pay our debts because if we take on and what Paul argues in this letter if we take on the views of the world and you just want to be offended all the time or you just want to be prideful all the time or you think the church just exists for you and what you get from it you're going to be miserable you will you'll be miserable and in 20 years of pastoring, it breaks my heart every time I meet miserable Christians who come in for a while and then disappear because they didn't like what we gave them. But what we tried to give you was an opportunity to love. We tried to create an environment to grow you in your faith so that you could wake up, so that you could put on Christ, get dressed and so that you could be used by God to show love and grace and mercy and compassion and peace and justice everywhere that we go in the name of Jesus and so that's kind of this is why it gets so practical could you see how a church could have a huge influence in their community in their city In their nation, in the world, if we would just really wake up, see how the world is, let's be smart, let's be wise, but then figure out our place in it. You know, sure, there's voices out there in the world that doesn't want us to have a voice at the table, and that's okay. That's not the end of the world. That certain people don't want us to have a voice at the table, because God still wants you to have a voice. You can still have a voice, but we do it the way Jesus calls us to, not the way the world calls us to. We put on Christ and we respond in love. I mean, those are the words of Jesus, right? Love your enemy. Love those who persecute you. How many of you, that's your favorite verse, right? Some, a few. It's hard. But the only way we can do that is to wake up and know the incredible role that the church has in this moment of history. The church, I believe, has a crucial role to play in this moment of history when there's so much hurt and pain and confusion and lostness on what it even means to be human anymore. But we do that in love. (laughs) And so we're in a season as a church where we've been talking about how we are regrouping and refocusing and relaunching. And part of that is, I mean, because of COVID and everything that's gone down the last three years, we want to get like laser focused in areas of ministry that God has called us to. And one of these areas of ministry is Compassion Canada. And for me, compassion is just a great way for the local church to wake up, to get dressed and to pay their debt. And so it's great to have uh, Jeff Hackett and his team here from P- Compassion Canada. And he's gonna share a little bit how we as a church are doing this call to wake up and to get dressed and to pay our debt to show love to the world in Guatemala specifically. So I encourage you to watch this quick, quick video while Jeff comes up to share uh, for the, the remainder of our time together this morning.
1: The thing about darkness is that it's exposed by the smallest match, and just like that, the void gets awakened by the heat of a flame. This feels dark, but God is light. Now I do not live for a moment. I do not live for a lifetime. I live for an eternity with Him who conquered the grave. Death has no power here. For God is light. And on the days when I'm just an ember, when the darkness heads too close to home and I grow weary, God gives me you, the church. Not a building, but a room full of lit matches. Your stories, your faith, your light, they keep me going and remind me that when it feels like darkness has won a battle, Jesus has won the war. So my brothers and sisters in Christ, I pray, go forth and love beyond reason, care beyond question, live in such a way that people demand an explanation. Why aren't you afraid? They'll ask, and I'll get to answer, because God is my light, and darkness stands no chance.
2: We used to sing this song in Sunday school, and uh, if you grew up in church, maybe you know this song as well. It says it this way, this little light of mine, you know it, I'd sing it for you, but I'm not as good as Paul. (laughs) Help me out here. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I told you I need your help. I'm going to let it shine, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. There you go. Back at Sunday school, you all get a candy. And then it goes on and it says, hide it under a bush. Oh no. I'm going to let my light shine. And I'm so thankful this morning for Pastor Kevin. And this passage of Scripture, as Paul is urging with a plea, with a, a raw, exposed heart to the church, to sense the urgency of the time in which we're living, but understand, not only to sense the urgency, but God has given each and every one of us the ability to love the ability to care, the ability to go, all because Christ resides within me. The light of the world resides within me. And that comes with a call to purpose. That comes with a call of an understanding that each and every one of us who accepted Christ into our very soul, we have a responsibility to the world. We have a responsibility to the darkness that we are facing, saying, even in the darkest of nights, who God is in my life will change the environment where He has placed me. Think about that. Think about the life you have right now. Think about your neighborhood, your community, your coworkers. God has placed you there to be the light, the love, and the ex- tangible expression of who He is. And I'm sure your testimony is much like my testimony. When I began to understand how sinful, how decrepit, and how undeserving I was to accept Christ's love into my heart. It humbled me. And it begs the question, how can I not be of service to him? For he who has paid the, the most incredible debt of my life. One that I could never owe. So this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And I'm going to let it shine in a way and a purpose that pleases God. And I'm going to be the tangible expression of who God is. And I'm going to share the greatest message ever told, that of faith, hope, and love. And so I'm thankful today. I'm thankful for Pastor Kevin and Greenbelt that your church is a part of a collection of churches across Ottawa. Not just one denominational, across denominational group of churches working together. Can I get an amen on that one, Pastor Kevin? Working together to make an impact in a community. That is not in Ottawa, but in Guatemala called El Haraco. And over the course of a number of years, these nine churches collectively have seen over 519 children sponsored. Currently, right now. 279 children are sponsored on a monthly basis. That's 279 children that are having their lives changed and impacted for the glory of God. Yes, amen to that. But friends, can I just encourage you that the work is not done. This journey that we find ourselves on, there's no finishing line until we are in the presence of our Savior. So there is work to be done. And we want to celebrate every child that has had an opportunity to be sponsored. I used to think that it was their privilege that I sponsored their ch- uh, them. But I've been humbled. It's not their privilege. It's my privilege. I'm privileged to be a part of their life. I'm privileged that God so chooses me in my abundance to change a child's life, to change the course of their trajectory for the kingdom. I am privileged to say, God, I can show up. I can stand up. I can actually be a part of changing a child's life by a simple monetary gift. Yeah, that's the, that's the lowest common denominator. But understand this, that every one of those children that are sponsored has a name. And it has a dream. It has a goal and aspirations. Think about it. We have that privilege of being invited to be a part of their life. Humble. There's this one young mom. Her name's Elizabeth. She's 23 years of age. She lives in a A cinder block home, two-bedroom home, with her mother-in-law, her brother-in-law, her husband, and her children. She's part of one of our compassion centers in Nihalrako. She recently gave birth to a, a little baby by the name of William. And she wants nothing but the best, like any mother would for her son. And she writes this, my dream. My dream for my baby is for him to become a professional. And, I, and it just, it's such a simple statement, but it's captivated my heart because each and every one of us that ha, uh, has had an opportunity to be a parent. We all have dreams for our children. I have dreams for my boys. But you know who has even greater dreams for my boys? God. As much as I love my children and I love them to the ends of the earth, and I will go absolutely and am going absolutely broke for them. I'm reminded there's a Heavenly Father that loves them more. And so we have an opportunity, friends, an invitation to be a part of Elizabeth's life. The collective has chosen to work together to focus in on uh, young moms and babies, ensuring that they have proper care and nutrition because Guatemala is faced with immense challenges. They are ranked fourth in the worst countries in the world that face malnutrition. They're facing insurmountable odds And it feels like when we consume our life with the insurmountable odds that it it seems so dark, doesn't it? Hopelessness. But this little light that God has placed in you and placed in me has called us to mission, has called us to purpose, has called the church to action. So we will not be asleep. We will not slumber around we will wake up with a sense of urgency with a sense of determination with a sense of joy that god has given us god has set us free god has given us the greatest message ever told so why wouldn't we be in action why wouldn't we want to do the things that please god and the fact that we have an invitation to be a part of these kids lives i can tell you and i say to every church i don't think i can bring enough profiles for for children to be sponsored We have this choice and this opportunity to be a part of kids, these children's lives, to be a part of Elizabeth's life. So I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you. There's so much to learn about what Compassion is doing. You can find your way to Compassion.ca and read all about the amazing things. And we have some material here that you can take home, the five things to know about Compassion. There's this. Our team is here But I also want to highlight this. We also have a number of children to sponsor. This this young man, he's 10 years old. His name is Manuel. Manuel, like any other 10-year-old, just loves life, loves to play sports. But Manuel also recognizes that his mom and his dad need help, so he does whatever he can to help out around the home. These are the kids that you and I have the privilege of being a part of their life. So I want to challenge you. I want to say thank you, but I also want to challenge you. For those in the room that you've already sponsored a child, and compassion is very much a part of your life, thank you, Pastor Kevin. I want to say thank you. And maybe you're part, uh, maybe you sponsor a child from a different organization. Hear me. Thank you. Thank you for making a difference in a child's life. It matters. You're part of changing the trajectory of who that child is. What a blessing. But here's my challenge. There's room for more. There's room for more. And if you just reduce it down to an economic decision, and that's important, but I'm going to say that maybe there's a level here that you need to step out in faith and say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe in you. I want, that. I want to receive that invitation of being a part of a child's life and make a difference. Maybe you've never sponsored your child. You don't know what it's all about. We're here for you. And we love to talk to you about it. So don't run off. <laughs> when the door's open, don't get in this car. So I say, go out through these doors here. <laughs> grab a sandwich, tuna, avoid it. All right. Uh, I'm sure it's good. Um, <laughs> but we'd love to talk to you. We'd love to give you the opportunity to come along and be a part of a child's life and to see the impact. And some of you are in this room, you sponsor children, and you know the difference that sponsorship makes. Can you help us out? Can you be our advocates? Can you be our testimony, if you don't mind, and say, I wouldn't have changed it for anything in the world? My sponsorship child sits on our fridge. Her Bernice. She's from Burkina Faso. She has special needs. Every month, every day, every time I'm in the kitchen, I see that. And you know what I don't think of? That costs me money. I don't think of that. I think of the privilege and the opportunity I have to be a part of Bernice's life. That's the opportunity we have. We also have this one thing, and just as I wrap up here, and I could, like Pastor Kevin, it's always dangerous when you get two pastors to share two short sermons. We also have this cool thing. It's our VR experience. Uh, This will actually transport you over into Brazil, and you actually get to experience uh, what a day in the life of Maria. Maria is one of our Compassion Kids in Brazil. And it's a complete immersive experience. You put the headset on, and uh, Pastor Kevin went through it. And you can look around, look up, look down, and you can see what her life is like. And like Elizabeth, like Maria, they live in a home that you and I would be humbled by. But they're so proud of where they live. You get to see the Compassion Center where they're at. So it's a three-minute presentation. We'd love to uh, let you go through that journey and see the impact that sponsorship has on an individual's life. So can I challenge you today? Let's be the light. Let's be the light that God's called us to be, and let's make a difference in a child's life. Amen? Amen. Pastor Kevin.
0: Thank you so much, Jeff, for sharing. Appreciate that. And uh, I've had the joy of um, going not through the VR, but actually going to one of the compassion centers in Peru. And if you know me, and I joke about this all the time, airplanes and travel, not my bag. And the only reason I got on that airplane is because my 16-year-old daughter at the time wanted to go. So I said, okay, let's go. And it changed my life. (laughs) It really does. (laughs) The blessing and the opportunity that we have as the church Whether it's to bless through this way or whatever way God calls you to, wake up, get dressed, pay your debt of love. See, that's the call that each and every one of us have. And maybe you're here today or maybe you're joining us online and and you're still actually hanging on to your debt of sin, And you heard today's message about this God that that loves you so much that your debt is washed away. The, The way you have that debt washed away, and we saw this as we studied in this book of Romans, is to simply confess that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth that Jesus rose from the dead to pay for your sin, and then you, that debt that you have, is gone. And you can do that right here in the room by just praying quietly in your own heart. Father, forgive me, a sinner. Thank you that Jesus washed my debt away. Come into my life. Or you do that online as well. And if you do that here online, come and tell me over a sandwich. Or you did that here in the room. Tell me over a sandwich. If you did it online, a little pop-up shows up. Click that and let us know. We would love to come alongside you as you now get dressed. (laughs) As you learn to put on Jesus. As you learn to let your light shine in this world of darkness. Because God has got amazing plans for all of us. Let's do this together and serve him out of love. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you and thank you for Jesus's radical love. Love that is so incredible that he would go to a cross to pay for my sin, to pay for our sin. And God, we are so grateful for that love and every little act of love that we do in response feels like it pales in comparison. But God, all those little acts of love that we do as a response, as when we do it collectively and we do that as the worldwide church, that's how we are doing greater things. When Jesus said that we'll do greater things. It's just by the sheer amount of the masses of the church that have woken up, that have put on Christ, and that are paying out love everywhere that they go. So, Father, we praise you and thank you for that. God, I pray for compassion, that they would continue to do this amazing work of seeing children alleviated from poverty in the name of Jesus. God, I thank you for the partnership that we have with them and the other eight churches that we partner with where we set aside theological differences in order to love the world. And so, Father God, I pray that you would do even more. And Holy Spirit, as we continue to worship, speak to our hearts. Any guilt or shame or condemnation, we cast that off in Jesus' name and replace it with love and mercy and peace and justice. And continue to speak, Lord, because your children are listening. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.